Oh, kia ora everybody, what's up? It is Rebecca. Welcome to Rebecca Live. Back to back to backs. Another awesome weapon. Good friend. <laughs> MCR, Melissa Clark Reynolds. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah, I'm hey. surprised at how much I've enjoyed the whole Rahui lockdown thing. Yeah. Well, you've, yeah. Got, you've got the books, you've got the, the, the hang time. How's the isolation world going for you? Um, I think the thing that's actually driving me crazy is that, like, literally I'm on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Skype or WhatsApp or one of the days I worked out, I'd been on 12 platforms, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of over the platforms, to be fair. Um, and I thought there'd be a lot more gardening and reading and lying in the bath. And yesterday I put the rubbish into the rubbish tin. I realised it was at nine o'clock at night. It was the first actual step I'd taken out of the house. <laughs> you know, like, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've kind of got, I've got platform fatigue. But other than that, um, I've loved having some time to do some courses and some thinking and, um, yeah, just it's been nice to be home. I, I'm, a, I'm a big traveler, I think, as you know. Like I, I average three flights a week, and um, I have so loved not spending an hour getting to the airport, spending an hour at the airport, spending another hour in traffic at the other end, um, you know, traveling for three hours to get to a meeting traveling three hours home i'm just really loving not doing that would you rather your 12 platforms to have digital connection or the three flights a week with the ah that's a tough choice waiting i'd actually rather have maybe one or two really great platforms that worked yes um and yeah i'm seeing you know all of the workarounds that we're having to do with platforms makes me realize that there's still room in the market for someone to trump you know, good Trump, not bad Trump, Trump Zoom and, you know, yeah, it's the best we've got at the moment. But I'm I'm kind of finding that I'm linking people on a Slack channel to, um, well, <laughs> stupid thing I'm doing today. I sent out a type form and then we're putting it out in Slack and then we're running a Zoom meeting on Mural. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Platform fatigue. I haven't heard that before. I'm going to use it. I was on a call yesterday with the bro Hitter and he was saying the same thing. He, he was like, bro, I've been bouncing from this Microsoft thing and then on the Google thing and then on this thing and then the Facebook thing. And he was just like, Ugh. Yeah. And, I, and, and I was saying, you know, webinar stuff. Yeah. And as soon as you get to like text, it's like, okay, now almost it feels like you've got emails, blue text messages, WhatsApps, green text messages, Facebook yeah. messages, and LinkedIn yeah. messages as the stream of all of it. And then my family's all joined House Party and Marco yeah. Polo, and then I just don't know where to look for messages anymore. Yeah, I, when I first got, I remember when the iPhone came out and then you had, you could get a push notification, and I was like, oh, mean email, you. And then now it's just like every notification is off. Yeah, like my phone pretty much my my phone just doesn't even it goes on do not disturb to even be able to call, and then I wake yeah. up and then I'll just have to batch it, and then you see all the things with all the dots on top of it. You're just like, oh, I think you you have a point there. Consolidated messaging across all into one would yeah. be. It, it feels like the platforms have almost become channels, right? Yeah, they have. Um, when you look at TV of like what happened between TV to go to Sky, and then now if you look at the states, and you now if you look at even the. Um, get into the media space and you got you know Disney Plus here and then ESPN and Hulu and Netflix and ga, 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 yeah. ga, and it's like ah, just and it's like when I moved to the US and it was like you've got 355 channels and there's still nothing to watch <laughs> and it feels a wee bit like that right um, I'm now on all these channels on my phone mm. and my family are still sending me pictures of cats or you know <laughs> stupid videos it's like I don't think oh. this was this was not the height of what we were expecting the 21st century to look like. No. And yeah. 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 But otherwise good. Um, it, it's really interesting. I think though, thinking huh? about what we do next, you know, where do we yes. go out of this? Let's go there. So yeah. you've, you've, um, you've dabbled in many industries and you've got depth of thinking and it's, it, and it was actually probably similar to us on the phone earlier to someone else. And you were saying those that are, those that have a seat at the table are twice as busy and those yeah. that don't are doing nothing. Yeah. And I was like, I feel bad, just as bad for both. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm in, in San Fran at the moment and I'm kind of going, um, you know, nine till two American time playing catch up work stuff. Then I'm going the New Zealand day from nine through. So I'm kind of doing, you know, 14, 14, 15s on my side, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's weird just to see that. Have you noticed from your either comms or engagement with all your stuff, clearly you're probably, just as busy as, as anyone have you got 
Has your schedule got crazier since all this in the last month? My schedule's got crazier because the lack of travel time means I don't have breaks between meetings anymore. Uh, so yeah, there's not yeah. even like that 15 minute kind of quick, hey, let's go grab a coffee before the next meeting starts, um, even just for the walk, you know, like all of that's disappeared. And so, yeah, yesterday I, I started at um, eight in the morning. I finished at about eight at night. Um, I had done an online yoga class in there for an hour, but you know, you it's, <laughs> yeah, um, I set my local studio up and um, and I ended up, I, I was trying to do it remote and it didn't work. So I ended up just like careering them a laptop that was all set up with, again, all the platforms they needed to be able to get their business back up and running. Um, and that's been a joy, you know. I, I think one of the things I've missed the most is um, is my yoga community. It's like turning up, turning up to class. But anyway, it's still nice seeing twenty seven people at yoga class yesterday on Zoom. But um, yeah. but yeah, coming back, I think that the your comment about the people with the seat at the table is an interesting one to me because I think one of the concerns I have is that when people are under stress, they tend to revert to the patterns they know which means that um, the kind of same old people have the seats at the table at the moment. I think it's really hard for new people to get a seat at the table or for really diverse voices to get a seat at the table at the moment. Um, I'm not seeing um, in the commentaries I'm seeing in the press, say, in New Zealand, I'm not seeing enough Māori voices. I'm not seeing enough women's voices. Um, I seem to be seeing a lot of tech bros and I seem to be, I'm serious. Don't you think? All the tech bros have got some reckons. I'm about over their reckons. And they start with, look, I don't know anything except that I'm a tech bro. And so I reckon. And like, I just want to, I've, I've stopped reading at that point now. At the beginning, I read them and just wanted to punch them. And now I just can't read anymore. Well, I had a conversation with Michelle Dickinson about this. And I said, oh, cool. I, like, don't, I said, don't you wish that, the, that scientists and educated humans that actually know what's up had the same voice and ear to the masses like the, like others who potentially maybe just win by default because they're on a platform that has the, yeah. the, the loudest voice. And she was like, man, I, I said, I want, you know, I, I was talking you know, I want like the, the nurses and the firefighters and the policemen and, and the scientists and the educators to, yeah. th they need to be the actual heroes and have the platforms of influence and be listened to like the super superheroes, like, you know, I failed science, I failed high school, the rest of it. But, you know, we t I talked to, um, we had Sir Peter uh, Gluckman on yesterday. Wow. And just having him yarn and I'm sitting there just like, this is some shit. And just watching him like, just elevate the actual conversation to the yeah. real shit, but simplified yeah. in a way that made so much sense. I kind of sat there and I was like, man, I just don't think we're doing, I don't know if it's a New Zealand media thing or just the way that the platforms operate, the way that we consume content or the way that, however it is, but I really feel that, that, that those that are educated that know what's up haven't had the loudest microphone. Yeah. You know? And it feels to me like there's a bunch of that where, um, you know, in New Zealand, somehow we seem to have a bit of a distrust of really smart people. And so, or we think that if they're educated, that somehow that doesn't count for anything. Um, you know, and it, and it can be anything from, I don't know, you know, urban planning and housing through to epidemiology. It's like everyone's an epidemiologist now, you know, and um, it, it just gets a bit tiresome. You know, I, I studied this stuff at university at master's level. It's not easy, you know, and then suddenly we end up with, yeah, just because you can Google and read the New York Times doesn't make you or, um, you know, the Imperial College of um, London's reports or whatever doesn't make you an epidemiologist overnight. And some of these guys with very loud voices and big platforms, I think, are going to do us a big disservice. Well, so yeah, we have to we have to amplify the voices of um, of everyone else, you know. Yeah. So and and in there, I would include um, women's refuge and yeah. um, the people who are doing the real frontline hard, you know the. The people who, before shutdown, I went and I dropped in sacks of food to um, various places that I knew would be feeding people during the, the shutdown. Because at that point, I had no idea whether or not they'd be able to do any shopping or whether they'd be able to buy bulk food. And I thought, yeah, you know, we need to be really amplifying their voices. I, I haven't heard from whoever's running the men's night shelter. You know, I haven't heard mm. from uh, the SBCA. <laughs> Oh, good. I just yeah. want to hear from a greater variety of voices, 
Um, and yeah so, yeah, so good for you for, for finding platforms for people who are not getting it in the mainstream media. Yeah, I um, it was really weird. Like mine kind of kicked in where my sort of DMs and messages started popping pretty heavy on text and stuff right before going to lockdown. It was kind of like friends with advice around, you know, business and thinking and fear. And then I, yeah. I just kind of put myself in their shoes. I'm like, wait a second. You're going to have these people freaking out at home by themselves and they don't have access to thinking and conversation at levels, which it's like, yeah. I remember how I felt when I'd never been on a board before and yeah. I could, I could imagine what this holy grail circle of flipping <laughs> Illuminati shit was like. And you know, like this whole thing. And after you're in there, you can't even ex explain it until you literally then get there. So then I'm like, how do you then take the knowledge and the thinking and the resource and the, the, just the opportunity that I've actually got. So I was like, stuff that now's the time to do it. And that's why I've just gone flipping to town. I'm just like, yo, I'm so banter, glad you're go. doing oh, it. Banter. It's yeah. yeah. No, thing. I'm so glad you're doing it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, I was feeling like that prior to lockdown and I started, I started working for a couple of my clients. So I work as a futurist and a foresight practitioner as well as a company director. And so in January, um, a couple of my clients, we started running um, one-day workshops on what we were going to do um, and how. And then um, by February, I was starting to get more and more anxious. And then in early March, I got Michael Baker, uh, who's an epidemiologist here, and we did a series of videos for company directors. And, um, and it was quite funny because... I went down to the cafe to buy him a coffee and I was really like, I just didn't want anyone to touch me. And this is a good week and a half, 10 days before lockdown. And I'm like, don't come near me. Don't touch me. Don't breathe on me. You know, got his coffee, ran back upstairs. And that was the last time I, you know, last time I went into a cafe. And then yep. we're in the middle of doing our discussion and interview for directors. And I just thought, that's it. I'm going home. And so once we were done, I was done. You know, I just did yeah. not want to be anywhere else. And then I, I kept thinking, I'm telling people that we've got to go into lockdown. I'm telling people that we've got to go home. Um, so I did. And then on that weekend, went and picked up my man's stuff out of his office and, and came home. And so, you know, we've done an extra couple of weeks at home. Um, and I, I just am so grateful that I've done that because we haven't been sick um, I've had a few friends that have become sick and luckily they've recovered. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really glad that I also sort of took my own advice and yeah. thought, yeah, I'm telling other companies and I'm telling company directors that we have to be planning for this. And being on multiple boards, you know, we were running a lot of experiments like can we, mm -hmm. can we work from home? Um, most of the companies I'm involved with, we started running those a month to six weeks out of, before lockdown. And so, you know, I felt like we were in really good shape when we've gone into lockdown. And a, a good example is Radio New Zealand, where I'm deputy chair. And if you've been listening to Radio New Zealand, you know, we're running that out of our presenters' bedrooms. Um, you know, we've discovered that duvets stapled to the walls makes a pretty yep. good studio. <laughs> yep. um, but we've managed to run that. And, and a lot of it was because we learnt from the earthquakes that we've been shut out of our buildings and I guess one of the big questions I'm currently asking myself is like, we thought about those earthquakes as a practice for some bigger crisis. Mm. And what if this isn't the crisis? What if this is the practice for the next one? Mm. And at the moment, I don't think we're really thinking about that. We're sort of thinking about how to get through this one. But I think we also need to be really sitting down and, and thinking about what this means for the next pandemic or the next big earthquake or the next financial crash or whatever it is. And we should be using those foresight skills that some of us have to start thinking about, okay, let's not build the old past when we come out of here. Let's build a new future when we come out. But also at the individual company level, how are we making ourselves more resilient so that this doesn't happen? You know, or so that the kind of, the, the yeah. event will happen, um, but so that the impacts aren't so great next time. We had a Tony Falkenstein on the pro Tony last week. And they wrote a pandemic plan in 2009. Yeah. And when this popped out, the, the um, one of their crew was like, hey, here's this thing that we dug up and they had the whole thing on lock. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, the yeah. amount of businesses that didn't have that, pretty much every single small business hadn't, hadn't thought of that moving forward. The A lot of the big crew had protocols in place, but hadn't it really actioned it at that sort of scale. I know, before. I never tested them. I, you know, I'm on a yep. bunch of risk committees and I had one organization where the, the CE mocked us for having a pandemic plan. 
stuff. And... I don't know who he is, but tell him he's dumb. Be like, oi, mate, you're dumb. <laughs> I mean, luckily, he's actually done a great job. Oh, okay, but, well, let's, um, not, let's not name and shame, but he was Yeah, dumb. let's not name let's and shame, was... but, you know, I remember anyway, I just being Steve. quite aghast when he got so upset. Um, you know, I sort of thought we were really wasting time. Um, but it won't just be pandemic. It'll be an earthquake or it'll be a, it'll be something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, what has been interesting is people have known that there's been different forms of stuff like this with either SARS or, or yeah. bits and pieces before. So, but we haven't gone through the motions to actually run it. And there's been a lot of kind of like, not on the fly decisions or maneuvering, but it was very clear that there wasn't, an actual plan until you kind of everyone kind of made it together right yeah um but then to your point it's uh, i i think you're right because it's it won't be probably the first time in our in our, in our lives that there's going to be potentially something like this so the the train tracks have obviously now it's very clear every business is now cloud-based or digital-based in some form so that's i do not think that as a macro will change and go back right yeah the difference is there's then, still a lot of companies that aren't there um you know, there are large swathes of the government in New Zealand that are not there and there's a lot of small businesses that are not there. Now, you know, I spend a lot of time in agriculture and I've just been so heartened seeing like the Greytown Butcher and Cranky Goat Cheese and mm. all these lovely artisan producers have finally in the last week got it together and put websites up and discovered that they can run really great businesses online. And so I think that that's happening, but there's still a lot of companies that are not in there. And, you know, we know that there's something like 100,000 children at home out of the 800,000 kids who are at home in New Zealand at the moment who have no access to devices. So what it yeah. does also do is it means that we've got to address this digital divide. We've got to, um, I heard a great thing the other day, which I really loved, I'm going to repeat, which is that the businesses have failed um, in this period had preconditioned pre-existing conditions, conditions yeah. and and I really like that and they did you know a lot of them and particularly the big public ones they were in trouble for a long time and this has been kind of a handy moment to get around to closing it or you know throwing in the towel Skateboard. but their boards should have been onto it a long time earlier yeah and a lot of those companies haven't found a digital business model if they've found a digital delivery process they still hadn't found a a business model that worked for them and I think we've got to really help companies figure that out in the next short period of time yeah there's there's a lot in there eh? I think the, yeah maybe I'll jump to the the the, the model side the pre-existing conditions 100% it's exposed so many but at the same time it's given a, a scapegoat for shut because there is so much yeah a action in the market yeah. Everyone can just do their piece because it's just another thing on top of the thing, opposed to when it was yeah. just business as usual. Like imagine if this was 2018 and then and then last year, 2019, and then Bauer went under. Yeah. The problem is that Bauer there, hasn't gone under. That's what I think is really important to understand is Bauer hasn't gone under. Um, the owners of Bauer made a decision to withdraw. Now that has been on the cards for a long time. Mm. Um, they didn't even want the money, they didn't even want the subsidy, they didn't want any of it. They're just like, no, nah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. And they were good because they actually were kind of going to make this decision anyway. It just accelerated it. Um, and so, yeah, I just think we have to be careful about kind of blaming COVID-19 for some of these closures where mm. they're a failure of the business model. They're a failure of the ownership, not a failure of the market. Yep, I get it. There's a, uh, another uh, media CEO that's got a big challenge at, at, on their hands, and I said, I was like, well, either way, it's kind of a win because if it if it fails, then they've got the vehicle of this as an excuse, and if it yeah. pops, hero. So either way, yeah. you're kind of like, well, there you go. What's yeah. the most frustrating thing you've seen so far outside of the science and the lack of education and those that potentially have the loudest voice not being the smartest <laughs> outside uh. of that whole thing? Um <laughs> What do you think's frustrated you the most with from a business with a business lens? Naivety from CEOs, naivety from thing, lack of prep. Like, what, what's been the thing you're like, fuck, come on, guys? I think it has been um, the companies that could have gone properly digital and haven't. And so, you know, I think about um, as a government agency that I know of that, that ordered two thousand laptops the day of of um, lockdown, and we'll get them in May. 
And even if they do get those laptops in May, they clearly don't have digital systems in place. They don't have a digital backbone. Um, but I would say that the same is true in the, you know, agri-sector. Um, you know, a company that I really love sent me a text message yesterday that was about 20 lines long that told me that um, I could email them to order some of their product. And then when I did email them, you know, you have to go email back and forth and then you've got to put money into their bank account, uh, right? And this is a company card. that's be, doing it sweet. hard. What was yeah. that? Or just email back with your um your your uh, credit card number <laughs> yeah and but they couldn't even take my credit card right so they I, I just feel sad that the leadership of organizations like this hasn't done a digital plan earlier you know I've been online since the 80s basically you know 1989 was when I first um learned how to code my way onto the internet and um, and so I know that's an outlier, but the last 20 years, certainly, you know, e-commerce has been a thing. And so when I see boards that let companies run as if e-commerce isn't a thing yet, it really bothers me. I think that's probably been my biggest frustration. Do you think that is lack of self-awareness from leadership? Do you think it's a fear for the future of leadership? Do you think it is arrogance from how it was done? Do you think it's old school thinking? Like, what's the handbrake? I think there's a lot of fear of getting it wrong. Do you know, like, everybody knows about the IT train smashes. We can all name big public stuff, you know, whether it's like INSYS or um, Teachers Payroll or Kiwi Bank or, you know, we can all name um, companies that are in public that have spent tens of millions of dollars and got nowhere. And I think no board wants to be that board. Mm. And so what's happened, and, and you think too, most boards are well older than us. You know, I'm a young person on a board, which makes you like a teenager on the board, right? I don't um, get invited to too many these days. <laughs> for, for, for a multitude but, of reasons. You know, but. Um, I think as we get older, we get more risk averse. We, we don't take more risk as we get older and and um, we, we you know and there's a whole lot of um, science around endocrinology that shows that physiologically the older we get the more risk averse we get so I think what happens is that boards are afraid of getting it wrong and yeah. so inaction takes over rather than you know and we've, we've got all this agile like you know, you don't have to do tens of millions anymore. You can spend a million and see how it goes. You can spend half a million and see how it goes. You can spend 200 grand and see how it goes. You know, um, the kind of the era of the billion dollar um, upgrade stuff, it's gone. But I think that, again, a lot of boards don't know that. Do you think there's going to be a big shakeup in boards because there's going to be a reality check to the real world and understanding that they don't have the right brains at the table for the world that they're now in? I don't know. We had that, you know, surely we've, we've had these moments before, right? We've had, you know, in my career, I've had various, I've had the, you know, the collapse of the Asian banking system. I've had the tech bubble, bubble pop. I've had the GFC. We've had a lot of moments where we might decide that maybe um, leaving the old guard in place may not be working for us. Um, I wouldn't underestimate the power of that old guard to fight for their, you know, their place at the table. Yeah. I love um, Rob Campbell's commentary when he talks about stuff like this, because he just like plants the seeds so strategically well for everyone that looks like him to embrace those that don't look like them. I just, yeah. I, lo I love it how he navigates it so elegantly, elegantly. It's just, it's, it's genius. And he's, when you're talking before about, um, that media side he was talking about this idea is it recency bias is that the right word of whatever you kind of hear the most oh the, yes the, the, the most that's recently, the thing that's what you, that whatever's thing. on top is what you remember and it's like that, that that headline clickbait sort of reading mentality and when you kind of take that because he we were talking about a similar thing when he was on the show and he said something like that and i was like shit you're right and then they think that that's just the that's the truth because that's what they've heard most recently and then it was a, I mean, I don't know the full explanation, but he was basically saying, because then if you're telling someone and then they make you feel like that's not right, then you go into defense mode because that's what you've heard. You don't want to look like you're wrong. Yeah. And so, yeah. and I'm like, what? This is some shit. Hmm. Boards. Yeah. Flipping boards. Man, you yeah. must have had it seen. How's the frustration been to be 
not only probably right historically, but then going through the wave of still, you know, from you're talking about 1989, I think you were saying you're first in, in the game on tech, still to not have leaders now do it. Like how frustrating has it been through the decades now of being a woman in tech and still not <laughs> up and getting listened to? You're like, what the fuck? What more do I need to do? You bunch of muppets. Oh, I don't stuff. know. I um, You know, or do you just kind of like stuff it? It's like, all right, man, just you muppets, just do your shit. Like how do you... I don't know, man. I say I. So in snowboarding, I always go back to snowboarding. So in snowboarding, there'd be like crew that would come in and they'd try to learn these tricks and this or that. And then when you've been in the game for a minute, like you know, oh, if you don't, you know, pre wind up on the toes to counter, blah, 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 whatever, like you just know. And then you'll tell them, be like, all right, yo, you just got to do the thing. He's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And they keep skidding off the heels instead of the toes. They keep skidding off the heels. And you're like, and then eventually you're like, all right, bro, just, all right, cool. You know, yeah. like. But see, I think, I think there's an insight in there. So, um, so I'm a big fan these days of Coalition of the Willing. Do you know, like in the old days when I was younger and brattier and thought I knew everything, um, I used to probably want to change everyone. And um, I've learned a couple of things now. So, so I try and find the people that are already wanting to move in the right direction and then amplify them. So as a, as a board member, I want to support organizations that are doing amazing stuff. Like I've just taken over as chair of Little Yellow Bird, which, you know, we do ethical uniform production. Samantha and we Jones, did a really awesome. fast pivot in this, um, in this lockdown situation where we've managed to find, stay true to our values and we're doing organic cotton masks. And we found a New Zealand company that does wool filters that are, um, N95 filters that are compostable. Um, and so, you know, we've managed to find a way within the values base of doing what we can. And I look across my portfolio of companies and things like Radio New Zealand too, like I've got put on there to help them to digitize. And it was six years ago and Radio New Zealand six years ago and Radio New Zealand today is a completely different beast. And that's part of why we are able to be up and running and cranking during this crisis. And so I look around and the, um, the same, like I'm on the board of Beef and Lamb, right, which for me is slightly off brand, but I, I love being there. And the same thing, I could bring those technical skills into that organisation and we've been able to run largely from home um, and, and quite seamless. And so I, for me, it's like I don't want to bash my head against a wall. I want to find the coalition of the willing, you know, people that are fun to work with, people that are fun to play with. And we'll just quietly get on with it over here. And you guys can do whatever it is that you're doing over there. And we'll yeah. just, like Buckminster Fuller is one of my heroes since I was a kid. And he says, um, you know, to paraphrase him, but basically you don't get anywhere making the old model wrong. What you have to do is make it obsolete. Hmm. And I think the best way of making the old model obsolete is building the new one alongside it. And what happens is a bit like, you know, bower or something they just move away they don't want to compete anymore when the models mm. got to a point that the world has changed around them i i guess i'm, I'm just sick of trying to change them now i gave that yeah. up about 20 years ago <laughs> no so yeah, I'll, I'll go there for a sec so when i started popping up in, in the mix and there's a little bit maybe when we first sort of connected or met up years ago i kind of felt like i'd got rolled out to a bunch of these like chats and think groups and all this yeah. flipping shit right and and i just went into it all like you know stars and shiny shit and i came in i just like did all my stuff for you know whatever and then when i saw no action just time after time after yeah. time after time after time after time after time and i just sat there i was like you know what stuff this noise i'm not going to be reactionary waiting for anyone to do shit i'm just going to do my own flipping thing yeah and that's it and then funny enough one of the ones circled back round four years later sat down new face same role hey i'd love to catch up and have a talk about this go, 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 dot 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 i'm sure you can imagine what, what it was and then yeah I'm, and i'm sitting there and i go i'm not trying to sound like a dick here but the amount of time that i have copy pasted the same conversation with someone that's looked like you that sat on the other time and so that's anything. right i'm not trying to be dismissive i've just almost lost hope in in an organization like you're yeah. in to do this and yeah so, no i totally get and, that and, and I think I probably beef. had exactly yep. the same conversation <laughs> yeah. with the you same group the same of people. <laughs> and, you know, and I just got to a point where it was like, um, yeah, you know, well, I'm going to put it out there, the accelerator movement. 
you know. I just feel like they should rename themselves White Boy Accelerator Incubators, you know. Um, oh, we're going there. Oh, we're I going know, there. we've gone there, but I actually said it to one of them. I said it. I said, look, let's not just, let's not pretend. Let's not do a women's stream. Let's just rename the whole thing White Boy Tech Co. Um, and, you know, let's understand that that's where you're funneling government money is to help more white boys start up more tech coasts, you know. And um, and then I just realised that just was deeply frustrating. Actually, yeah. I should just do something else. And so just the something else that I do is things like go on their boards, um, yeah. mentor those women CEs, get up and under, put some money into those Māori enterprises that are starting up, you know. Um, and it's like I just need to leverage it in a different way because it was just getting it was it was getting me down, not getting them down. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny you went there because I've just felt this funky thing of when it's you know reliable data equals reliable results, and when it's just copy paste copy paste for so long, it just put a <laughs> it builds it builds this kind of like um, internal resentment which you don't want to have, but then you yeah. can feel it. And, and then, and then when you see little bits popping around, I just, yeah, I mean, I think we're on the, the same page there, but then and to your point, it's like, so you go. Right. I was going to say, I think probably just reflecting one of the good things about not traveling is I am definitely not traveling to any meetings in the future that I'm not convinced <laughs> I need to be at. Ah, Do you know what I mean? There you go. Yep. Like I am not getting on a plane, <laughs> putting any more emissions into the atmosphere for a meeting that is kind of so-so. Or copy paste, yeah. It's like yeah, yeah no cool. copy paste. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think you just had a point as well. You know, so I've been thinking about. Uh, I mean, pretty good timing. So for, for the last four years, I've been talking, or three years, I've been talking about this thing called the squeeze, and it's when the threes and fours are becoming the ones and twos. The young buck rookie, you know, nice. go get me a coffee, shut your face, is now becoming the the, the marketing manager, the GM, yeah. the, an, a young MD, maybe a young buck CEO. It's starting yep. to flip, right? But the squeeze is like a thirty-six to forty-two. Yeah, yeah. Years old. I'm at the bottom end of the squeeze. I'm only 34, but that's the squeeze happening. And it's where I've kind of crafted it as it's where you're old enough that you've done enough shit that you've got credibility to be able to be in the room, but you're yeah. still young enough that you know what's up. The squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's been a couple of it because, you know, I've got a few, you know, chats with crews and shit and everyone sort of talks. And, and I was on one yesterday and I just kind of said, you know what, in my opinion, I feel this could be the time to flip and shake the boat out of the shit. Like, how do you flip and just come in there and don't be seen as the liability, be used as the asset, you yeah. know, like, cool. You know, to your point before about the, the different ways of thinking, it's like, well, now how does it, what does that look like? Where are all those middle weapons? And one of the things yeah. that, and, and I'd, I was saying on the call is like, I felt really lonely in my position because I didn't, I didn't see people that were look like me, roll like me in my lane. Yeah. So I, so by default, you just kind of feel like in pro to, to your point as well. Then the crazies always connect because the weird is the wonderful. And that's why these, these, the coalition of the willing to your exact point now, it's, it's, that's such a true thing. But I think now is such an amazing time for, to be able to not only change that narrative, but to, to really drive that forward and actually try and force a seat at the table for those conversations yeah. which need to be had. Like, I genuinely feel feel that. So Yeah. Um, and I think it's yeah. hard. Like, I was reflecting back, you know, so so 20 years ago, I was 35. I was the CEO <laughs> of quite a big company. You know, I started it in my bedroom. I took it up to $190 million in revenue. And so at 35, I was CEO of a $190 million revenue company. And... Um, and it was hard to, even then, you know, I was one of the few women who um, who ran any New Zealand business over 100 mil, and it was bloody hard to get a seat at the table. And I think that experience um, helped to shape my future kind of choices mm. um, in, a, in a couple of ways. You know, one of them is that after I'd done that, um, you know, I, I went home, I had another baby, and for me, my family became way more important. And I made a bunch of choices around that. Um, I went and trained with Al Gore and I volunteered yeah. around climate. And I look back over this last sort of 20-year period and I realised that I wanted to work with different people, that my self-worth didn't matter about being at the table anymore. Um, and so sometimes that's frustrating because you want to shake people and go, listen to the people who understand this stuff. Um, on the other hand, there's some sort of a gentleness that comes from age, I think, that yeah. you go, you know what, we've seen this stuff before. Um, coming back to the viruses, we know that there's a pandemic every three, three and a half years now. 
Um, so there'll be another one in three, three and a half years. It might be worse. It might be not so bad. We don't know. But the likelihood is, you know, there'll be another one in three, three and a half years. And I think that there's something nice about, yeah, the rhythm that comes from getting older and, and having been through some of this stuff before that you don't have to force it quite as hard as I might have felt like I needed mm. to when I was in my 30s and it felt really urgent. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, the the yeah, it's a, it's a funky one that because I a friend of mine who I hadn't I hadn't seen in, in probably five or six years they caught up with them in this December and then they're like your energy's different and I'm like what do you mean he's like oh you're more calculated <laughs> yeah um, yeah less random is how I felt in my forties yeah. right yeah yeah it's yeah like, a little bit more calculated I was like. I get it. And maybe it's that point you start to see things are different. That's maybe we're talking about that squeeze sort of changing around. We've got um, Anna Gunther. She's asked the question. Anna. Hey, uh, Anna. Said, uh, what's, the new, what's the new future that you want? Wow. Um, so sprinkle well, dust, little MCR sprinkle dust. I could sprinkle some dust, yeah. Yep. Well, I, I would really love to see a far more inclusive future. Um, one of the things that I've particularly loved about being at home has been all of the bird life in my garden and how um, the quiet. And so I, I'd really like to see a, a more inclusive future where those 100,000 kids that don't have access to the internet have it, preferably for free. I'd like to see that the half a million New Zealanders who before lockdown were suffering under food insecurity, and it's probably now like a million, that we have food for everyone when we're in a country that grows and creates such abundant food. I'd like to see wealth better distributed. Um, we've become a country that, like many other places in the world, the difference between what the high end has and the lower end has has just like polarised. And related to that um, has been our education system. I'm glad to see the crumbling of the NCEA system, but national standards was an absolute disaster for New Zealanders and particularly for Māori and Pacific students was also a disaster for our gifted students where we had the fastest falling top 15% in the world under national standards. So we were a country that had an education system that was child-centered, that was very much around, you know, when my son went through, um, he went through a system that was very much about his interests, what made him happy, lots of art, lots of music, lots of sport, maybe not enough science. Um, my daughter went through in the era of national standards where since she's been four, basically, she's been tested and found to be wanting. And so I'm not surprised that that Gen Z are full of anxiety because they've been tested and measured and prodded their whole lives and not encouraged to just go and play in the woods. And so, you know, there's a few of these things, but I, I think they come together. So child-centered education where we use the best technology that we have, that we all have access to, and the ability for us to distribute our wealth so that we all can play, you know. Um, yeah, it really bothers me that in this current situation, we're probably becoming even more polarised between the people who have money and savings and the people who are living on the gig economy on the knife edge. So so that's a start, you know. Um, I'd like it to be clean, green, ethical and inclusive no, <laughs> that's what so i pretty want much change everything okay yeah on. change everything <laughs> change so, all of it and i you know don't let a good crisis go to waste um mm. because the forces for the past and the forces for um status quo are very very strong and so we have to do what we can to grab what moments we can to shake that up and this is one of them you hit on probably the exact point you said the gap splitting between the dollars of the haves and the have-nots is probably exactly the point before those who have got a seat at the table are twice as busy and those that aren't are doing nothing yeah like that is yeah we're, like we, we started on that, that exact note so then going to you so the money stuff right so when all of this shit in america did all the um i don't know it was the tea party all this other shit about the one percent yada 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 how 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 do you practically distribute wealth better what does that look like is this taxes is this universal basal income is this like what, what does that mean you know like what is that how what does it yeah. look like how does that translate look I'm, 
it's not my thing, right? Um, the thing that I do is that I've always been proud to pay taxes. Um, I grew up in a pretty poor family. Um, you know, my dad wasn't around. My mother was a single mum in the in the sort of early seventies. Nineteen seventy four, the DPB came in, and it was the first time my family had a reliable income. And I'm incredibly grateful to the state for providing for me. And not only that, you know, I had basically free education and I got to go through university at a time where it was, you know, all intents and purposes free and I got a $27 a week bursary to go. So so my escape, personal escape from poverty, um, which was moderately inevitable given my mother and my grandmother's history, was through education. And so, you know, I... I think we, we have to do it at a macro and a micro level. So coming back to that education bit, it meant that as soon as I could pay taxes, I was just really proud to because I wanted to pay that money back and I wanted to pay it forward. And in a small country like New Zealand, our taxation system should be the process by which we pay it forward. Um, and in a lot of other countries, philanthropy is how people pay it forward. And I think you know that's still valid. And um, I, I give what I can, when I can, where I can. But I think that our taxation system for a country like New Zealand has got to be one of our biggest ways of of redistributing wealth. And I'm not saying, you know, we should take everything off people. I'm just saying that I don't want to live in a, a country where people are hungry. And I grew yeah. up hungry. I don't want to live in a country where, mm. um, you know, my mum had to leave school at 15 because her mother couldn't afford to keep her at school anymore because her mum was also on her own. Um, and I, I don't want to live in a country where kids have to leave school to pay the bills. You know, I want them to yeah. leave school because they're going to something that's better or they've got an apprenticeship. So for me, the taxation system is the key one. And so every time I hear someone say cut taxes, all I can think of is selfish greed. Less you know? Yeah. I remember um, you brought back a memory. So growing up in Aranui in my high school, in my seventh form before everyone left right and so in our my final year i think there was maybe 13 of us left in the class for the yeah. four of all of it out of yeah. however many um and then the teacher miss foster was like okay cool and she went around, all right what's everyone going to do with their future what do you got what's your where are you going to go to blah, blah blah and and four girls out of the seven or eight literally said oh i'm going to get pregnant and have a kid then i can on the dpb and then if i get a yes. second one it's an extra hundred and $14 a week and they'd already had the shit planned out. They were like, no, no, I just do that and I get that and then that's it. So there's this, this is always going to be that. Um, but we have to give those girls hope, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was sort of, I guess I was a bit like one of those girls. I didn't get pregnant to get on the DPB. Um, but, you know, I had, a, I had my first child a week after my 18th birthday and one of my aunts congratulated me um, because I could go on the DPB. And I remember looking at her with complete horror and going, hang on a minute. Like, um, I chose to have this child and I'm going to raise it. And for me, I did, do you know? And I totally am grateful for the DPB for my mum. For me, I've always provided for my child and my children. Um, but I can see that um, even me as a teenage mum, having a child was um, a symbol of some of the lack of hope that I had in my life. Hmm. And so we also have to think about what is it that means that those girls um, needed something to love. Do you know, for that was what it was for me in many ways was it was about being needed, about having someone who wouldn't leave me, about, um, you know, and there's all of this, I don't want to get into kind of deep psyche no, no, here, no, but, yeah. but those girls, they were being rational and they didn't mm. have hope. But I bet they weren't the girls that somebody said to them, you know what, you're going to be amazing. You're going to change the world. Um, you know, you're the next Michelle Dickinson. No one said that to those girls. Those girls yeah. were probably told they were a pile of shit their whole lives. Yep. And is, yep. um, and so this was actually like kind of probably the only job they were going to get. Mm. And that's what sucks to me. Not that the girls made the choices, but the fact that that seemed to be the best option for them. And I, I want you to think about that option being a rational one for the situation they found mm. themselves in. And that's what sucks. And it sucks that we so devalue child rearing that we see it as a bad option. And I'm not saying that like having a kid at 18 is a good option, right? You know, um, yep. I was very glad that my own son, you know, got through to his thirties before they had a baby. Um, you know, I'd, and the same for my daughter, you know, she's in her twenties um, almost. And she's, you know, I was just so glad she wasn't a teen mum. 
but know, they were rational choices given the the situation they're faced with. It's it's a per perfect link into the next. So I, I always think about the last couple of years of of how do you how do you bring you know I think success has a um, an awareness issue. Um, people that are at the squeeze or those that could be something there's there's not enough noise out there. I feel I always think about breadcrumbs of positivity which you can create, yeah. which you may not be there, but I know. So in my head, I always I have this character called Rungi, and Rungi's from Rotorua, and he's 15 years old. He's gonna go down to the skate park and smoke weed with his mates. What is one piece of content that I could put online that he then randomly sees as a breadcrumb somewhere to be like? Oh shit! That guy looks like me, or talks like me, or rolls like me. Ah, like stuff yeah. all the you know stuff the corporate shit, the trust fund shit, all the rich shit, the stuff all that. Like that kid, fifteen year old yeah. Rangi from Rotorua. What are the breadcrumbs that you can put around his? And and that's where I think about you know like how do you sort of scale and in, intent in with it? And you, you you're right too because for for me mine was the driver of you know they said my career advisor was just like my chip on my shoulder was when you, when you leave school, you could work at a warehouse packing boxes. That was a ceiling yeah. I put. And I, and I was, but I took that because I was a competitive prick. I'm like, stuff you, you watch me. I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. I'm like, but, but for me, that was the best thing that anyone could have told me. But if you didn't have that same mindset of, of, you know, being how we are, yeah. it would have, um, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It could crush yeah. you. And I, I think that's it. You know, I think the breadcrumbs thing's really important. Um, really important. So a couple of things for me was that, you know, I grew up in, a, in quite a violent, difficult home, um, you know, endured years of sexual abuse. And for me, being able to speak about that publicly, regularly, and I'm kind of sick of it at the moment, but, but to do that, I think that um, when I realised it wasn't my shame, that um, I didn't cause it, it was nothing to do with me, and that if I can um, talk to young women and young men and even older women and men and kind of go, you know what, like, um, yeah, I own this. It's nothing to do with me, actually. I didn't choose it. I wouldn't have chosen it. Um, I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm not ashamed of it. It's just some really bad shit that happened. Um, and I hope that in, in being much more open about those kinds of things, I can also help to give some people some freedom from their own shame and upset around it. Do you know? And I'm not saying I don't have grief or upset. I do. But you know what? I... It, I didn't cause it. It's nothing to do with me, really. And so I think those breadcrumbs things, as we get older, I think it's also really important that those of us that have changed the trajectory, what I call like the almost certain future. So if I look at my mother's story and my grandmother's story, my almost certain future was one of being a very poor, bitter, um, undereducated, you know, woman on a benefit. Um, and that was my almost certain future. And that's why education really mattered to me because I saw that my mother's resentment around being kicked out of school at 15 to go and work, um, she had this real drive for education. And so the only way I knew out was to get an education, you know? And it's I, the escape, it's I, the escape, the escapism. It was, was my was escape route. Now for some of those kids, yep. their escape route will be to get on the DPB so they can afford their own house and get out from under their abusive dad or whatever it is. And we have to help them to see that there are escape routes and that you can follow them. And that people who might look like, you know, they've got it all together and everything, that we all have our own shitty stories in our past. Yeah. I, I like that you went there because it's you get you get the breadcrumbs thing because it's, you know, yeah. everyone's got their own truth to their own piece, but it's how do you just stop and be like, okay, well, I think as well, people in the squeeze all realize that they represent more than what they think they do. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that's how the people in the squeeze have a bit more of a self-awareness around it. Um, before we've got, we've got one last question. Garth Bray says, hi, MCI and Rebecca, a good talk. How do we convince people to lock in, uh, lock in the positives we've maybe enjoyed this past month? More time with family, less commuting, cleaner air, less fritter and wasteful consumption. When the quickest yeah. way back to prosperity is returned to status quo. Yeah, God, I think that's the most fantastic question. And Garth, I'd love to actually hear your answer. Um, but I, I do feel like for me anyway, there's a bunch of not going back. I feel like it's shown us that we don't need to fly. I think it's shown us that, um, you know, it's actually really nice being at home and having dinner every night. Like, um, yeah, 
I've had to um, kind of tone down on the catering because as the catering department, even though Mike <laughs> cooks brilliantly, um, you know, I was putting out baking and lunch and dinner and um, yeah, I'm now up. like really <laughs> looking forward to fasting for a few days. Um, but I, I feel like there's a slowness that's just been so pleasurable that I hope that we can keep it. And I know that that doesn't work for process workers or people who work on a meat line or, um, you know, people who are working in factories or supermarkets. Um, but for a lot of the rest of us, this opportunity, even for me to do yoga every day, has just been a real pleasure. And I do want to lock it in. But I'd also like to throw that challenge back out to the community. It's like, how do we have that for everyone? How do we have that for our doctors and our nurses? How do we have that for the people who are working in our in our meat industry? How do we have it for the people who actually have found um, themselves twice as busy or twice as stressed under this current world? Um, so, so that's I don't have an answer to it. I can do it at my own level, but I want it for everyone, and I don't know how to get it for everyone. Yes, scaling intent. It's a tricky, mm. tricky one to navigate. Uh, before we go, yeah. Nicola says, thank you, Melissa, for sharing your oh, story with thank us. thank you. So enjoyed hearing Kaura your story. It's about adding you to on all my platforms. Lady keeping, oh. hashtag lady keeping it real. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's a new Yeah, mihinu um, kia koi. Yeah. Uh, epic yarns. I wish we could. I know, we covered a lot of ground, didn't we? Sure, I thought we were going to, you know, I we like started it. out so corporate. Um, <laughs> I thought that's where we were going to end up staying. But Let's talk about yeah. cloud transformation to the future of it. It's like, all right. Uh, I know. Yeah. Let's go to breadcrumbs. I Yeah, let's go to breadcrumbs. Yeah, Look, breadcrumbs um, in the end is more important. And it's the same actually coming back to your women in tech thing. The women in tech mm -hmm. thing for me is leaving breadcrumbs. It's, um, yep. you know, I've you done have. what I can on the boards I'm on to create um, associate director roles and then to haul young women into those roles. Um, I think there's that whole kind of thing about, like, do we want more women at the table because yes. they're women, or do we want no. women who haul other women up? Yeah. And and I really believe in hauling other women up. You know, how do we how do we constantly put a hand out? And those, you know, those 35 to 42-year-olds, um, you know, we want to drag them into those rooms They've got insights yep. that we should be listening to. But actually, so do the 19-year-olds. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we they, they've grown up in a very different world to the world that I grew up in, and we need to be listening to them as well. So anyway, mm. breadcrumbs and the women in tech is probably how I've survived women in tech, you know. You know, I got an ONZM for this. I was pretty excited. You know, I got Shit, the, yeah. the equivalent of the old OBE for services to technology. And so I very much um, saw that as a gift to my community. And I was just so delighted how um, how many of my friends, and especially my women, were delighted about it, you know. Yeah. Um, and you do the same years as um, Severe? DJ Severe got his, was it the same Oh, did Sevier? I? Yeah, awesome. I was. Awesome. So cool. Well, I love that there's been a lot more diversity um, in who's been getting these. And, and that's not a political thing. I mean, I, I think over the last 10 years, we've seen a, a much greater diversity in the oh. people who get these awards. Um, and they're yeah. community awards, really. They're not like individual ones, as far as I'm concerned. So, because yeah. it represents more than, yeah. than the person. It's it's what, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, Love yeah. your work. I miss you. You too. It's oh, a joy to get to hang out with I you for know. a bit. You've perked me up for my whole day. Well, sorry yeah. I missed the yoga with you 27 on the Zooms. Yeah, it's I pretty good. <laughs> oh, good shit. All right, thanks. Yeah, thank you so thanks, buddy. Love you. Yeah, mate. kia pai tora. See ya. Bye. Bye. Oh, Mel. Isn't she lovely? Such a good human. Such good, such good chats. Again, in the t man, you know, people think it's hard being like a young buck in tech in, you know, 2015, 20. Try being a female in tech as a leader and a CEO or whatever in 1989. Try that shit. Hell yeah. Uh, Meg Melvin, how to MCR and Rebet, best hour of lockdown. That was awesome. Solid banter. Man, I love that lady. She is amazing. Shot team, I'll see you all soon. Deuces.